everybody, it's the Mankind Podcast. Kind men, listen to this podcast. The revolution of masculinity with your host, Scoot Magruder! Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Scoot. Thanks for tuning in. We got a lot of shit to shoot. Today's guest is a very dear friend. We're going to talk a little while to it through the lens of masculinity. What is that? Hey, I don't even know, but it's time for you and me to get real with it. Yeah, it's time for the show. Hey, folks, thank you so much for joining us here on the Mankind Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot Magruder. With me, as always, is Mike, Mike 1 and Mike 2. Uh, today's guest is a wonderful person. Uh, his name is Matthew Kaufman, and he is the owner, the founder of MRK Management, a talent firm here in Los Angeles, and he's got some fantastic clients. Uh, they're booking stuff on the morning show, a couple of the things that I can't quite think of at the moment, but he is a wonderful human being and looks out for uh, all of his uh, clients, and he is a very thoughtful individual. Um, I'm thrilled to have him in the studio. Uh, before we get to him, I do want to say a shout-out to our sponsor, Spitz. If you live in the L.A. area or perhaps uh, Utah, they just put in a new location in Lehigh, Spitz Mediterranean Restaurant Group is uh, home of the Donor Kebab here in Southern California, and it's healthy, it's delicious, um, it, it, and it's a great place to uh, convene, commune, and uh, get your belly full of some delicious stuff. So, without further ado, Matthew Kaufman. Matthew Kaufman, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Good. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing quite well, yeah. How's your Tuesday? What's uh, what's wh- What was exciting for you in the past 24 hours? Hmm, Past 24 hours, like I was kind of telling you before I got here, I had um, two clients that are in Golden Globe nominated shows or productions. Huge. Yeah. Those were announced yesterday? They were announced yesterday morning, yes. Okay. And Golden Globes is interesting because it's TV and film, so there are just so many nominations. Okay, it's yeah. It's just so many people listed. I know. It feels like I just watched the Emmys a, a few months ago, mm-hmm. and like I feel like I'm seeing repeats of things. Yeah. Gwen, or the Fosse Verdon show that was on FX, yeah. they're nominated in this as well, and okay. they just got Emmys. So I don't really know what that cutoff is okay. or when the year is is it's it's very interesting and and golden globes are the hollywood foreign press so it's like mm-hmm. i think this is like the it's like the tail end of the television season and beginning of television i don't i honestly don't know how it overlaps but right. there's definitely a lot of overlapping in it and so you have been an in, on your own as a manager for a year about a year and a half okay i was looking at my linkedin and it was a year and 7 months okay it keeps like the tally on it so talk about the journey that that you have gone to start MRK Management. Yeah, I mean, it, starting my own company was something that I honestly was never on my horizon. Hmm. It was never something that I premeditated or I really had any thoughts about. It kind of came down to circumstance. Um, it really happened as a catalyst to the action of it is I was at a company for three and a half years and basically built and created an adult department for that company. At that time, they really didn't have uh, a department at all, let alone getting auditions for that department. And 
I met this husband and wife duo and they brought me on when I was very young. I think I had only been living in Los Angeles for a year. Okay. And then basically I invested three and a half years in the company, hmm. built the department and was just kind of like creating it as I go. And by the time we got into the pilot season of 2018, I had three actors booked on pilots. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. And one of my actors, um, received recognition in the Hollywood Reporter, there's always this like casting article that comes out at the end of pilot season and all the casting executives are speaking about who was most expensive and who did you want, but you really couldn't have and what were some of the hardships. And at that Mm. time it was right after the laws changed in California where you couldn't ask people their quotes to find out what they got paid at the Mm. pilot season prior And it was also kind of the first pilot season after the Me Too movement had come out. So there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. But um, ABC's Io Davis, who is the head of casting for ABC, mentioned my client as being the most rewarding casting find that pilot season. So here I was. I had three clients on pilots. Still working for the mom and pop. Still working for, yes, still working for the married couple. They, like, hadn't even met the client that got the really yeah i never met him and i had represented him for like two and a half years what about after he got all the recognition were they like jumping down his door to be like they didn't meet him until the day after i quit oh (laughs) oh wow so during this whole time you know all of my clients who were like the big moneymaker clients were all like we will follow you wherever you go oh wow we're in it with you but we don't want to be at this company anymore okay you deserve better does that company still exist Barely. Okay. Like I left and it all kind of crumbled slowly after it. So anyway, so I was interviewing for all of these positions and my ego was through the roof. Uh. I was like, I am this young 30 year old with three actors on network pilots. My kids in the art, in the Hollywood reporter, like that doesn't happen. Right. I'm out of a company that had no name. I was like, I'm about to be scooped up by a Hollywood's elite. And I really believed that. And then I interviewed for all these places leading up to um, pilot pickups. Nobody was really offering me a job. I Mm. felt like people were more interested in my one client than they were interested in me. And I also was like interviewing with all these people who I didn't personally feel a connection to. I was like, "Mm, I could, I actually don't even see myself here. But Mm. at that point I really wanted a salary and a desk and the bells and whistles that Hollywood has. Right. And when it didn't happen, you know, I was like, well, what do I do? I can't be at this company anymore. Mm -hmm. So I quit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I left. Mm. I took a huge risk. I was like, well, I've got these three actors and pilots. Um, I'm just going to take the chance and we'll see what happens when the pilots got picked up. Well, when you take a risk, you either goes the good way or the bad way. (laughs) And it went the complete bad way. Oh no. Oh no. My one client left me, uh, I don't even know if I should be talking about this, but my one client left me days before her pilot was announced for pickup. Wow. It was terrible. It was like, and never paid me the commission that was owed to me. Cause I was like, hush, hush her manager in this transition. Huh. And I was on the phone and they're negotiating with them when the pilot was booking. Wow. But at that time I was still with my old company and she had left and, um, we didn't have a contract. Oh man. So you would think in good faith, yeah, but that didn't happen. That's so a... I learned a major Hollywood lesson in that wow. moment. 
And then my other actor who was in The Hollywood Reporter, the pilot didn't go, mm-hmm. which was actually a blessing because that meant I wasn't like, you know, he, if, if he would have, that pilot would have gone, my company would have kept all of that money and I wouldn't have made any money, but I would still have been his manager. And then my third client, the pilot got picked up, but she got recast. <laughs> oh, really? So it was like oh, a bam, bam, bam. Oh, man. And I was like, damn. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So then all my mentors around were like, why don't you Hmm. go on your own? Like you're doing it already. You've been on your own practically. This company has really not supported you other than just doing accounting work for you. So Hmm. just go on your own. And I said, you know what? I am. I have no time. I'm not going to sit around here and wait for somebody to give me something. I'm going to create it for myself. So I got on my computer and just click clacked away and open shop got all these agents to take um, connected with all my agents and my connections. And it took me two months to get on breakdowns. I literally had zero dollars, zero dollars to my name. Fortunately, my parents paid my rent for me in a month transition, which was very generous of them. And I've paid them back since then. But, you know, I hadn't been serving tables for two years, which is how we know each other. Right. And, I got two serving jobs. One was working as a cash register at a bakery, and I literally was mopping floors and bussing tables for three months, desperate for money. And then I got another job at this restaurant in West Hollywood, which was terrible, but Mm. I needed it. So I was building a company and working two serving jobs, basically for the first six months of being open. Wow! Just thinking to myself, you know what? Your story is going to be different in a month. Right. In two months, things are going to be different. In six months, you don't even know where you're going to be. So just put your head down and this is what you have to do. Right. And it was really humbling. You know, I really thought like serving was done. I had closed that chapter of my right, life. Right, right, right. I'd been serving tables since I was 18. Is that right? And, you know, who was I to think that I was better than that? Mm-hmm. You know, and it really caused me to reassess my life and what I thought was important. And I was got caught and lost in the smoke and mirrors of Hollywood because mm-hmm. that is what my bosses at the time were. You know, they turned out to be crooks, basically. It's mm-hmm. why their company, I think, has pretty much gone downhill. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it influenced me because I was so young in my management career and so young in my life in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't know anything else. So anyway, so then I went out on my own, you know, and now here I am a month or a year and seven months later. And, you know, things are booking. Money's coming in. Clients are doing things. My first pilot season, I had two tests. Yeah. And that was six months into opening my own company. So like... How can you deny those signs? Yeah. You know? No, and now and now you have three clients with Golden Globe kind of uh, nods or they're involved yeah. in... I don't know how well you can talk about the specifics, but what can you say to that? Yeah, so I had a client who's a Garland, my client Garland Witt, who yeah. we mutually know, Yeah, uh, was a supporter. Got to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, you have to get him. I, I, I really do want to I ask. mean, and yeah. he is a series lead of a Netflix animated show i mean his voice is gonna okay. just be glorious okay <laughs> cool. shout out to garland so garland was in uh the eddie murphy the eddie murphy movie that netflix came out with called dolomite is my name right which was released half on netflix and then in select theaters okay. which is, seems to be this new thing that netflix is doing huh. because it gets way more visibility than just being in theaters yeah and it was like eddie's return to the silver screen it right. was phenomenal yeah. filled with the best some of the best names 
themes and comedy and also like black comedy. Right. You know, it right. had oh, uh, Mike Epps and it had Keegan Michael Key and it had. Uh, Wesley Snipes was in oh, it. Titus Burgess was like, if I'm saying his last name correctly, like all the people. Yeah. So that got nominated for best musical or comedy. Okay. And then my other client is a recurring character on uh, the morning show. Okay. For Apple TV. Fun. With Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, and that got nominated for best drama. Yeah. And then the ladies also got Best Lead Actress nominations. Right, right, right. And so that's a huge thing. She's like an ensemble member of the morning show. Absolutely. So that's so now I've got two actors on Golden Globe nominated gigs. Yeah. Like, no, and I mean, that definitely is the universe. I, is somehow a manifestation of saying, you're going on the right direction. This is good. You're doing good work. I thank you, and I believe that as well. You need, yeah. you know, you need those nudges from the universe that show yeah. you that you are going in the right direction, that right. this is aligned. Because if you didn't have, you need validation. Right. Everybody needs validation hmm. because then you're out there and you're on your own, and there's no sign or thing that's giving you just that nudge of like, you're doing it, you're right. doing it, you're meant to be doing this. This is your sole purpose, you know. You need need those things because otherwise if you don't get them your brain starts going in the direction of like what am i doing this right. isn't working and sometimes you know yeah. it's not working and you need to reassess right and and so it sounds like you had mentors that you were able to talk to during this transition period who were able to kind of reflect back to you to be like okay why don't you think about striking out on your own so it sounds like that's one way of listening or paying attention to an inclination or an instinct, a sign, oh, maybe I should go out on my own. You have it mirrored back to you by a mentor who's saying, yeah, go ahead and do that. Um, how do you, um, how do you learn to trust your gut or how do you learn to trust your intuition or to hear those signs? Because if, if it's okay to bring it up, Matthew and I were, were scheduled to meet a, a, about a month ago and you had said that Mercury is in rising. We, oh, I forgot to put my stuff on airplane mode. Let's see who's calling me. Hey, Mike from Toronto, you're on the air. What can we say for you? Hey, how you doing? This is Mike. Hey, okay. Mike. I'm going to put my stuff on airplane mode. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out at some point. There we go. Um, the, so th my curiosity is like, how do you, um, what are those, you know, you say, I'm going to riff for just a minute to try to find what that thought is, but, um, notes of validation mm -hmm. or being able to hear from an external or internal source. Yes, this is the path. No, that's the path. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like the guideposts that you've found in your life that help you to say, this is a path worth going versus that path? Like, um, if it, you know, you said that you, you, we were going to have a meeting on, you know, the 22nd of November, but Mercury was in retrograde. So let's not do it because you didn't feel articulate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it was true? My brain was going crazy at that time. As Much I, better now. Do you? I I don't know if I've ever felt that, but maybe I'm just not in tune with it. Mm. How does somebody become in tune with something like that? Hmm. I don't know. It kind of well, you know. Certainly, my spiritual side has grown, blossomed, and become more connected 
when I moved from the West Coast. I'm from Chicago. I'm from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. You know, spirituality is certainly not the same kind of vibration as it is out here. And I do feel like that was my soul calling me to go out to the West Coast. You know, I I knew nobody here. Mm -hmm. I had never visited. I think I was here once when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this internal voice that was saying, when you move to California, it's all going to come together. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had all of this energy and nobody in Chicago really understood my skill set. And I certainly wasn't creating monetary value within that skill set. Yeah. And I just was like, California, California. And I Mm -hmm. moved out here and all of a sudden I started really, my eyes and ears and soul really started to open up because the people here, I feel are much more open and Mm -hmm. connected compared Mm -hmm. to in the Midwest, which is very, box. Sure, sure. And I was having a lot of trouble with that. So, you know, and then I found myself in the entertainment industry and really, you know, my job is working with actors and my spirituality, I feel like really comes into play in the artistic realm Mm. because so much of what actors do are directly related to emotion and Mm -hmm. empathy and intuition. And as a person who used to be an actor and as a person who is very intuitive, as I feel that I am and empathetic, you know, I feel I really connect with actors on that level. We speak the same soul language. Mm -hmm. So in order to really see life clearly, you have to listen to your body and you have to listen to your gut reaction. Mm. The, the the greatest thing I have learned here is always go with your gut. Mm. If I meet somebody and it's an actor and I am just brimming with excitement and I see just that glimpse of something, I don't know what it is, but there's something inside me that just knows, that can just see it. Mm. And if there's something in that meeting that a, even the smallest red flag comes off, you mm. need to listen to that okay. because that red flag that came up at the beginning is going to reappear mm. in four months. And it has, and it's mm. showcased that to me. You know, when I was leaving that company, I, for like a year or like six months, had like cystic acne Oh, on my chest and on my back. Oh, wow. That I had never had in my life. And like I had acne as a kid, but mm-hmm. I never had body acne. Mm-hmm. And I was going crazy. I was like, do I have celiac disease? Is it gluten? I got tested. I like told all my friends I wasn't eating gluten for t- two months. Right. I wasn't. But I had all of these aches and pains. And this is a crazy story. Let me, it's a bit Go. of a rabbit hole, but I'll tell So this was when I was getting all this information from my clients of like, you got to leave, you got to leave. And now I was like, okay, I got to leave. I need to make a decision. But I had been battling this because I was really unhappy with this company and I felt like they were really using me Mm. and they were, they were basically making 50% of everything I made. And, you know, all of a sudden my body just started giving out on me. I couldn't move my leg for like a month and a half, two what? months. It was weird. It had. I had this immense pain. I couldn't get in my car. I, when I laid, when I got up in the morning, it hurt. Huh. And through tarot readings and through just you know uh, experimentation, I have found one of my signs from spirit is a lizard. Okay. When I see a lizard or a little gecko, or if I see things on it, like I know that's my sign from spirit oh. speaking to me. Oh. And it has shown itself to me a few times and I was sitting in my backyard and I was really contemplating like, what am I supposed to do? Like what? I don't, I was really lost. 
And I noticed that these two lizards moved into my backyard. Huh. And I just started watching and observing them. And one day I walked out and the lizard was out in the sun and he was doing like push-ups. Oh, wow. Like, I think it's like just a natural <laughs> thing that lizards yeah, do. Yeah. But yeah. Lizards do a bunch of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I was watching and he literally looked like he was doing like upward dog. Okay. And I was like, I feel like this lizard is telling me to go to yoga. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decide to go to a yoga class okay. and I could barely get through this class. Oh, it was wow. like a beginner class and I've taken yoga a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're an athletic physical person. You do, you take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't, I could barely get through it. My leg hurt so bad. I literally sat in child's pose for like 50% of the class. Wow. And at the end, the yogi came up to me and she's like, Hey, I noticed you and I noticed something was wrong. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. My body's just messed up. I just, I just do not know what's going on. Hmm. And she was like, well, it sounds like you have sciatica. It sounds like your sciatic nerve is messed up. And oh. I, had, I hadn't heard of that before. Huh. So she was, I was like, oh, okay. And then I was getting my shoes on and this old Asian woman came up to me and huh. she was like, Hey, I, I overheard you. Hmm talking about your problem and I thought I would just come up to you and she gave me this acupuncturist's name yeah. to get work done and then she goes you know I think you need to meditate more huh. she goes I think you need to remember that you are one with the universe and the universe is one with you hmm. and calm your mind you huh. seem like you have a lot going on I was like putting she just came up to me huh. And then she finishes it by saying, I'm going to pray for you. I'm oh. going to be thinking of you and I'm going to pray for you. Mm. And then she went away. Huh. And this was all because I saw a sign from spirit telling me to go to yoga. All of this happened. Right. right? So a few days later, I went and got a Reiki treatment mm -hmm. from a, a, a friend that I know. And I had gone to her before and I was just telling her I just felt blocked. My leg wasn't working. I just felt terrible. So she did her treatment and she was standing at the, you know, she does, works through your whole body and she was at the crown of my head. Yeah. And all of a sudden this image, you know, when you're getting a massage right at the beginning, you're just trying to get out of your head. For sure. Everything's rolling through. And then sure, finally sure. you get into like a meditative state. And yeah. finally I realized I was looking at this image and this image was like this gnarly black squirrel oh. with jagged teeth. Huh. And the moment my conscious identified this figure as yeah. that, my body twitched. Oh. The image left my brain, oh. left my head. My entire body was filled with pink and red sensations oh my. and colors. Oh, my. And then the Reiki healer, she moved my body and, like, immediately sensed it. Went, It was like an electric wow. pulse. Went to my whole body. She took a jade roller and moved my – was on my sciatic nerve. The yeah. next day I woke up, I had 98% function in my leg. Wow. And I quit my job the next day at that company. How about that? Did you ever see the squirrel again? Never saw the squirrel again. Yeah. But I see lizards all the time. Mm. All of that was a lizard. Me listening to that lizard and saying, I think yeah. this is telling me something. Let me go to yoga. In yoga, being accosted by a woman who was like, you need to meditate more and you need to go get some work done. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go get Reiki. And I got Reiki done. And then this, huh. my huh. friend was like, you sounded like you had a bad spirit attached to you. Mm. You sounded like you had a negative spirit that was over your head and clouding wow. you and preventing you from your greatness. Wow. And I did. And so then I quit. <laughs> How did you know that lizard had a significance to you? 
You know, uh, my roommate reads tarot, and he had been reading my tarot for a while. Okay. And there had been a few instances where a lizard would be, it's like on the, if you look at like, I think it's like the king of, I forget, but if you look at his robes, he'll have lizards on his robes. Huh. And okay. these cards were popping up. And he's, he told me in my tarot, he was like, I think a lizard's a sign for you. Interesting. And then I was on a hike with one of my other medium friends mm-hmm. uh, who I went to college with, and she does intuitive readings and is very yeah. connected to spirit and channels all the time. We were on a hike in Malibu, and literally I was telling her about my problems. And these little lizards were all over the pathway. Yeah. Like flying about and she goes that's your sign from spirit lizard and i looked it up and it it was just telling me that like this is a this is a soul connection this is you being looked after you need to when these appear in your life you need to find them and then like i remember i was like i was at a pride festival in long beach Mm -hmm. and i was drunk so you know when you're (laughs) drunk the veil is a lot thinner between (laughs) you and other spirits and i was like seeing angels and this guy came up to me and he had angel wings tattooed on his back Mm. and he like put these beads around me and i was like i don't know what was going on in my head and he turned around and he had a lizard tattoo right on his chest and i was like what are people trying to say to me? Yeah. I was like not oh. receiving the messages, but I was seeing it in front of me. So I right. knew something was trying to give me messages. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I was able to fully, you know, process what that was until that spirit was yeah. like detached from me. Wow. So that has caused me to listen to my intuition. Mm. And the stronger my connection to my intuition has become the better manager I've become the better Mm. person I've become the better communicator I've become Mm. and you know as a Scorpio which is my sign my innate tendency is to find truth Mm. to look for the truth Mm. which is what every actor is trying to do right Mm. it's always about the truth And there is a lot of lies in the town and it's built on a lot of lies. Mm. You know, there's so many people in this town who are sensational, but there's also a lot of that dark energy and getting a glimpse of that dark energy in my transition, you know, opened me up to being like, I feel like my job is to be a protector, Mm. to be a protector of these artists, of these actors who this town you know, can chew up and spit out. I've seen it happen. And, you know, in my times, I've been able to see so many different agents and see how they communicate with people. I've had young, very sexy girls before that these agents have like, oh, we're not going to represent you, but here I want to be Facebook friends and I want to take you out to dinner. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're not getting involved with this guy at all. In fact, I'm going to call him up and I'm going to make sure I say something. Oh, wow. You know, that kind of intuition when somebody walks into the room and you can tell if this person's a shark or a snake yeah. or does not have your best interest or if this is somebody that's trustworthy you huh. know you have to go with that immediate sensation that you feel that your body happens i'm sure you feel it all the time you know yeah i feel like sometimes um i shut it down because i feel an obligation to uh um work or to do something mm. like if we take the arena of uh, Rosso Blue, mm. where we wait tables. Um, I have the tendency to keep my n- eyes down and um, do what I know I have to do. Mm-hmm. But like if I can, I don't know, maybe this isn't the best, uh, but if I can feel that um, 
somebody needs something, uh, I might not answer that call because I can tell that they're ultimately going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Th- this might not be the the best example, and and I'll continue to do the thing that I have to do. Um, but I make a lo- I personally make a lot of allowances. I look at things from other people's side, and I say, well, I can understand that this person is behaving in that way because of these reasons, so I can accommodate mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, this is my standard. Mm-hmm. That person is not meeting it, so they're out. That's some. That's something that I'm learning and working through in my own right. Yeah. Um, and at 37 years old, I feel like I'm getting better at being like, this is good for me, this isn't, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It boundaries. Yeah. You know, intuition helps you create those boundaries for yourself. And if you – boundaries are really a way of protecting yourself because yeah. so many people don't – in relationships and, uh, you know, in family relationships and mm-hmm. loving relationships, partnerships, when boundaries are open and not defined, hmm. that's when people really start getting hurt hmm. and when your energy is starting to get depleted. So I've also learned that. What is my boundary? When do I say no? When do I I speak up and say, no, I'm worth more than this. No, this isn't how I operate. That's also yeah. been a part of the journey of creating my own company of knowing that is because I don't have anybody around that's setting the rules for me. I'm creating right. rules yeah. for myself. And, and my you've got standards. how many clients that are dependent on you? I think right now my client roster is like 25. Yeah. You know, and those are the lives and careers. So protector is... Yeah. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, integrity and work ethic is all you have in this town. Hmm. The integrity of your word is everything. Mm. I mean, look at everything that's happened, particularly in the Me Too era. And this is why I love the morning show shout out because they're really going into this because it's kind of like yeah. loosely based off of the Matt Lauer story. Right, right. You know, he isn't, he hasn't, all of his integrity is now completely gone. Right. He's got nowhere to go. And you can't lose that. You have to be mindful of that because Mm -hmm. relationships are huge and people have been in this town for a long time. Mm -hmm. So if you come into this town and you lose that integrity, like you really have no foundation to build off of. And to me, that's really important. I want people to know that my actions and my voice and my service, as we talk about a lot, is of a place of the highest integrity. Yeah. Because that will carry you. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. one of the things that I, a theme or thing that I'm seeing in our conversation has to do with like the lizard as a guidepost or the lizard as, um, something, uh, you know, something mirrored back at you. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately my question has to do with your, your youth and your upbringing in Chicago and in a Midwest that is more closed off than something else. Uh, like LA, you say LA is a little bit more open. How was it growing up as uh, a gay man or as a gay boy? Or at Mm -hmm. what point did you recognize? Because you also mentioned that validation from the outside is helpful. It helps us to understand um, that we're going in a right path. You have these mentors who helped, you know, say you should go on your own. Um, I can only imagine that it it sounds like you have parents that helped pay your rent. So they're loving. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to know. What was the path like for you to be able to say, yes, this is who I am? I mean, that's probably a whole nother hour of <laughs> unpacking that. It is. I mean, I, I've, I can give you the quick kind of pitch of it. Well, you know, I'm from the north suburbs of Chicago. So Chicago is close. That's a huge metropolitan. But mm-hmm. still, like, you know, Lady Gaga and all of that stuff did not happen until I was in college. Mm. So much different experience. Uh, She's from Chicago? 
No, but like, you know, like having, I guess I'm just uh, kind of referencing like having people to look to as references of culture, of okay. gay culture. Okay. Like, growing up, what I had was uh, Will and Grace, which is my favorite show of all time. Okay. And I can watch it nonstop. Yeah. That was my outlet. Mm. You know, growing up, I was really artistic, really energetic. Um, you know, my family is small Midwest classic family. I have Mm -hmm. an older brother, mom and dad. My dad was in the Navy and military. So that's a certain archetype. My mom was a figure skating coach, very artistic and performance based. She never let me figure skate. I mean, I forced her to let me, but she like was like, you are not going to figure skate. Like it's not happening. Oh, really? I was so mad at her. I, for sometimes I was like, oh, I think she's just... As I grew up, I was like, I think it's just because she didn't want me to turn out to be gay. So then yeah. I joined musical theater. Oh, no. She's like, <laughs> she couldn't stop it. Anywhere you go. Couldn't stop me. Like, yeah. it was never going to happen. But, like, you know, kindergarten pictures, I'm in dresses mm-hmm. and always playing dressed up. And in costumes, like, performance and theater was everything that I loved. Mm. And, you know, my brother was sports, sports, sports. And all of my childhood friends really turned into sports, sports, sports. So mm-hmm. I... Like, as we go into high school, I was super overachiever, but at the same time, like, still getting into trouble, you know, and really was very closeted, like, scarily closeted. Mm. Like, um, you know, it's just a hard thing to do. I Nobody was gay in my high school, and I went to a huge high school. My graduating class was a 1,000. Oh, wow. I had two campuses, a freshman, sophomore, and a junior, senior. Oh, wow. And... Like, throughout my whole life, I'm pretty sure I was always looked at as the gay kid. And when you're younger, like, people don't really call it that. They're just like, oh, Matt's different and Matt's artistic. And, Hmm. you know, as bullying came up and, you know, as you're going through teenage years, which are terrible, like, you know, then you start realizing, oh, I'm gay. And there was a lot of shame associated with that. A lot of shame. You know, I was, I tried to cover it up when I was in high school. Mm. I was like a big weed smoker. So everyone was like, oh, Matt's, by senior year, he was, people were like, oh, Matt's not gay. He's just a big stoner. Mm. That's how I masked it all. Yeah. And I would do, I would be in theater, I'd be in speech team and I would be, I would always be playing like gay roles basically. And it didn't really I didn't think too much about it at that point in my life. I was like, I'm an actor. I'm a performer. But, you know, I don't think my parents were really happy that they kept seeing me in things. And I was playing gay characters. Mm. That carried into college as well. Um, Where'd you go? Michigan State. Oh, so I went to a huge Big, Big Ten University. Sports, 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 sports. Yeah. Um, but it taught me a lot. I loved college. I came out in college. Basically, my coming out story was uh, I studied abroad in Italy. Yeah. And when I went to Italy, I was like, this was, I was going into my junior year of college. I was like, I'm going to go to Italy as a gay man. I don't know anybody on this trip. I'm going to be gay and out the entire time I'm there. Mm. By that point, I had come out to a few people and I was certainly, you know, having relationships, but wasn't fully out. And I was like, I'm just going to use this. And then when I went there. I was gay the whole time. I came back to college and everyone's like, Matt's gay now. He's out. 
kind of a way for me to like kill that old self and just jump right into my new self yeah. because the coming out process is very difficult. There's mm-hmm. so much shame associated. And even to say those words, I'm gay, particularly, I feel like people of our generation, my generation, yeah. we're very similar in age. And, and, you know, it's a hard thing to do. So I kind of just wanted to get past that hurdle. I just yeah. wanted to be out already. So I used Italy as that. And then, um, just kind of evolved from there. Um, fortunately, I just, you, you meet your chosen family. You meet gay people that you connect with. Mm. And they are so important because my family had a really hard time with me being gay. And it wasn't smooth sailing. It took time um, for them to be okay with it. And I still don't necessarily think that they're super comfortable with it. You know, we don't talk about super personal things, but that's fine. That's okay. I don't need that. Um, And you really just have to listen and talk to yourself. Who am I? What do I want? What brings me joy? What makes me happy? Whose life am I living? And it's your life that you're living. Mm -hmm. Nobody else is going to live your life for you, but yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can sit there and, repress who you are or you can do something that's even more courageous and live your truth and when you start exploring that and being the most truthful person that you can you know the universe really does start rewarding you and i feel like my connections with people if i'm a person looking for truth and to be truthful within my career and my path and my connections like how can you be that if you're not speaking truth to yourself Hmm. So, you know, moving out of, I was gay in Chicago. I worked at gay bars in Chicago. Like all of my friends were turned out to be drag queens and performance artists and still are to this day. Um, but when I moved out to the West coast, that's when I feel like I really found my like queer tribe. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, went up to San Francisco and found the radical fairies and I found all the different microcosms of gay life that are so abundant here in the West coast that you don't know about mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and Chicago is amazing, by the way. The queer scene in Chicago is phenomenal, particularly the artistic scene. But, you know, also Chicago's got a lot of the cornbread cookie cutter mm-hmm. guys I went to college with, yeah. who I know how to talk to. And For I sure. like, you know, I spent my days in the dorms drinking with them. I right. love them. And they actually tend to be very emotional people. Huh. Um, but, you know, you needed to find people who are pushing the boundaries mm. and were fearlessly gay. Mm. And that, I think, seeing examples of that allowed me to really think to myself, who do I want to be and who am I? Mm. Um, and that's kind of turned out to be who I, this this version that this you're version. seeing of me now. Yeah. <laughs> what's, um, we're going to wrap it up in it pretty soon, but what's on the horizon that you're really excited about? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm really excited because my client who's in the morning show, Michelle Meredith, IMDb Pro Her, she is returning for the second season. Cool. So that's really exciting. Um, You know, we're headed into pilot season, which is always a whole new thing. Last pilot season, I was hard. You know, you never know what's going to happen. That's Hmm. the other thing that's about this town. Hmm. Literally, in a blink of an eye, Everything can change right. and can change your life. Yeah. And I've seen it happen too. So I'm excited for pilot season to happen. You know, now I've been in it in my own company for this will be my second season in mm. my own company. Okay. So, you know, my relationships have gotten better. The, the people, my actors who are really ready to be booking those pilots or have tested before, I think are really ready. 
with the streaming services that are out, you know, the pilots for the new HBO Plus are coming out like crazy. Hmm. And Apple is going to have even more pilots. And then, you know, uh, Disney Plus is really starting to blow Hmm. up. I'm watching everything on it. So I'm excited because there's so many opportunities Hmm. out there. Yeah. So I'm excited to get my people in there. Um, I'm also excited just for the holidays, yeah. just to like wind down. Are you here? You go back to Chicago? Going back to Arizona. Oh, okay. My parents retired. And oh, okay. They moved to Arizona. Oh, okay. They're in like retirement. Good weather. World. Yeah. Yeah. Good weather. Okay. The desert is an interesting place. Yeah. They Talk love about it. Lizards. There are a lot of lizards. In <laughs> fact, when I visited my yeah. mom and uh, the last time I was there, we went to this like giant art artisan's uh, place and they make all of these like desert grafted metal sculptures yeah. and there's like a lot of Native American art too and I found this like beautiful giant like pink lizard that was just painted gorgeously and I had to buy that oh cool but, so I've done some lizard shopping in the desert cool sure. and you know I'm just kind of like goal setting and looking mm-hmm. to see 2020 is supposed to be an ascension year mm. I read something that was like 2017 opened my eyes or changed me. 2018 mm-hmm. opened my broke me. Okay, it went. Yeah, Let yeah. Me redo that, that. Yeah. 2017 opened my eyes. 2018 broke me. 2019 changed me. In 2020, I'm coming back, and that is how I feel. Hmm. You know, the last three years have been a crazy rebirth, in my hmm. opinion. Hmm. So, you know, I'm just excited to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I've kind of gotten to that point where at the same time, it's work, 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 work. But also you have to look at it as like, this is all a joke. Everything we're doing is is, is you have to find the humor. In yeah, it for all. sure. Like, for sure. As a very serious person at times, it's become hard for me. But like... You the when you're least expect it's like love, you know. You can be searching for love and searching for love and searching for love and tried all the things, yeah. and then when you are not focused on it, the person plops into your life uh, and you're just on your ass laughing hysterically because you're like, <laughs> "How about that?" And it happens that way. Like that's how this town is. You have to kind of just release things. Mm-hmm. You work, you work, you work, but then you also have to be able to release. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm just open to what. The universe is going to bring me in in 2020. Yeah. I mean, life was so different a year ago. I wasn't Mm -hmm. at Rosso Blue. We didn't know each other, you know, and Rosso Blue has been such a blessing in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think big things are coming, as they always are. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see, you know, more shows and... um, I'm excited for the new decade. It's a new decade. Yeah. We're in the last weeks of the decade. Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. Where were you 10 years ago in 2010? Um, I was in Bangkok, Thailand. What? If I go 10 years, 2009, I was in Park City, Utah, uh, trying to get a teaching job to go overseas. And then, you know, for the first three years of the teens, I was in uh, Southeast Asia teaching high school English and drama at international schools. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, so it's been a, it's, it's been a journey. That is so, I yeah. did not know that about you. Yeah. Well, how long were you there for? I was in uh, Bangkok for two years and Singapore for one. Do you speak? Just like survival Thai. Uh, 
Oh my gosh, we need to go out for Thai food. Let's get some. I would love to go with you. I bet you know some things that I have not been eating that I need to be eating. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. (laughs) We'll we'll do it. We'll make a date. Um, We do this thing here on the Mankind Podcast. Just to close it out, uh, I'm going to give you uh, just a list of words, and I'd like you to say the first image or thing that comes to mind when I say it. Okay. Man. Woman. Woman. Man. Masculine. Hard. Feminine. Soft. Strength. Spiritual. Weakness. Vulnerability. Leader. Ooh, gosh. Um, Trustworthy. Success. Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) In the eye of the beholder, I guess, is what I feel about that. Cool. Uh, Health. Important. Sex. Important. (laughs) (laughs) And you. Thriving. Cool. (laughs) Matthew Kaufman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shu. All right. (laughs) Folks, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Mankind Podcast, where every week we'll find a new guest to discuss what it means to be a healthy man and to demystify toxic masculinity. And also, if you got the chance, go to Spitz, get a donor kebab.